Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Hope you're doing well today. It's been said, the uncreative mind can spot wrong answers, but it takes a creative mind to spot wrong questions. When it comes to creative thinking, when it comes to problem solving, or simply going about life, we can get caught in a rut, right? Like we can get caught just going through life. We bring so much attention to the answers that are right before us, and we ask ourselves the question of what? What am I going to do next? What am I going to do when my family comes to town? What is in my bank account? What do I do with this decision ahead of me? We spend a lot of time asking questions. And this morning, I want to encourage you to start asking the question, what if? What if is a life-changing questions. What if, let's go, Jesus was a part of every fabric of our life. Now, I get it. Whenever we hear the question, what if Jesus, some of us in this room or watching online take a step back because when it comes to what if Jesus, there's some serious questions there. So I'm proposing to you this morning and wherever you're watching, if you're in your living room or here in this church, ask yourself the question, what if Jesus or at least maybe open up your hearts and your minds to take that posture with us this morning. Because if we ask ourselves the question, what if Jesus, then maybe all things can be possible. Mark 9, 23 says this, that if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. This is Jesus, he's talking to his disciples, has, he has this radical experience with them on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he's responding to this father and this crowd saying, you can heal them if you believe all things are possible. What if Jesus? Or what if we're going through some tough times? What if Jesus, if I'm going through a challenging moment in my life, what if Jesus is there by my side? The Apostle Paul writes about this in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're not alone. He's writing from a posture of imprisonment and enslavement. Or maybe if we ask ourselves, what if when it comes to the mental battle, maybe the mental battle would be less and we'd be able to conquer some things. John 3.12 says this, this is Jesus, he's talking to a Pharisee, a church person, and he says, I have spoken to you of earthly things, and yet you do not believe. How will then you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Today I want to encourage you to ask the what if Jesus question. The hang-up, though, is this. We, we limit our belief because we're not asking ourselves the what if question. See, when we get consumed with the what question, we're focusing on the, the now, the present, and what if transforms our thinking into what can be. I love what Pastor Goss always communicates. He says, if you change, if you want to change your behavior and what's happening in life, then you first need to start with changing your thinking. What if pushes us to do just that? But if we're honest with ourselves, we all know that sometimes we don't ask the right questions 
and we can all ask some pretty ridiculous questions, right? Like, let's be honest. Uh, and, and this is this platform, Yoohoo, uh, Yahoo, not Yoohoo, that's a drink, Yahoo, Yoohoo. Yahoo is online. It's an internet platform. There's this place called Yahoo Answers. They're actually disbanding it in May of 2021. And this is why. People ask questions on here, and then people respond. It's this open forum. But there are some ridiculous questions that get asked. So contrary to what your fifth grade teacher told you, there are such things as bad questions, okay? There are. For instance, this is what one user, Remy P, said. 60 seconds and one minute aren't really the same, question mark. Huh? On a microwave, if you push 60, then it will cook for 60 seconds or one minute. Okay, scratch my head there. Or here's another user, another user said this, please BL, can I safely look at a picture of the sun? I know it's bad to look at the sun, but what if I took a picture of it on my phone, would it still ruin my eyes? I don't know, you, you might have to figure that one out. <laughs> Miss Mitchell, another you, uh, Yoohoo, Yahoo, oh man, that one's going for the books. I'm going to hear about that. Why does my cat vibrate? Her chest always vibrates like she has worms or something in her. Is that normal? She makes tiny vibrate noise and it's scaring me first. The first issue here is you're a cat person. Seriously, go dogs. Or unknown user, Pastor Steve was actually telling me this was him. And uh, he says this, are there autographs of Jesus Christ? I know there are autographs of Babe Ruth, John Lennon, and George Washington. Are there any autographs of Jesus? And I love this part, on eBay. It's like, I don't know if there were, Pastor Steve, you'd get rich, man. Like, you sell those things. But the truth of the matter is, we can get caught up asking the wrong questions. And I believe Jesus always pushes us to ask the what if question in our lives. Today, I want to encourage you to ask that question. And that leads me to this morning's big idea. Asking ourselves, what if changes us to go beyond what we know and experience and rely on Jesus for greater possibilities. So for the rest of our time, we're going to be looking at a story found in Luke chapter 4. If you have your notes, join me there. It can be online. It can be your handout. You can even follow along in your five-pound leather bound, whatever the case might be. We believe if you read, write, and recite, you're better to retain what we talk about this morning. So we pick up Jesus right here. He's going through his life. He's just starting his early ministry. About three years of earthly ministry is what he did. So Dr. Luke, who is a companion, a traveler of this man by the name of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, starts to account eyewitness documentations of Jesus' life. So Dr. Luke, he, he's going through and he's writing this and, and it's early on in Jesus' ministry. Jesus just gets done, uh, he gets baptized by John the Baptist and we learn of his genealogy and then he goes, gets tempted by Satan and the devil for 40 days. And then he comes back from that and he starts to have this ministry. And this ministry starts to spread through this region of Galilee. 
Now, Galilee is approximately the size of Connecticut right now, okay? It's this region, approximately three million people currently live here. We learn this by a secular uh, uh, historian. His name is Josephus. And so we see Jesus, and he's spreading, and his fame is rising because his teachings are so profound. He's teaching, he's speaking eloquently, and people can't help but gravitate towards what he communicates. And the the thing with Jesus right here is there was no internet, there was no Twitter, Instagram, there was no email, no cell phone. Jesus' fame rose and his popularity rose simply by word of mouth. That tells you how much weight Jesus held. So Jesus then comes to this place called Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. And let's just say Jesus is not the hometown hero that we think. So in verse 16, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read scriptures. Now this is important. The apostle Paul, he does this exact same practice later on. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found a place where it was written. And then Jesus recites a scripture found in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant. Now this is what the scene is. Jesus shows up to the synagogue. People know this man. They're like, hey, that must be Jesus. Jesus is right there. And so Jesus shows up to the synagogue, he's in the audience, and then he steps forward, the attendant hands him the scroll, he stands before this massive crowd, he's the talk of the town, this is entertainment for him as well, if you're a believer or unbeliever, you showed up, because this is the news that is happening, and Jesus read, and then he handed the scroll back to the attendant, and he almost like he sat in front of the class and was like, all right, bring it, let's go, let's talk. And as Jesus continues, he he rolled the scroll, handed it back, and all the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then they began to speak the scripture you've just heard, and then Jesus says this, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. And I I love this part because it, it just goes such contrast. She goes, everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by gracious words that came from his lips. So all the crowd was like, man, Jesus is awesome. This is great. But then they asked the wrong question. How can this be? Isn't this Joseph's son? See, when we ask the what if question, it it gives us this idea of what we learn today from the posture of the crowd. If we ask the what if question, then we are being forced to practice this idea of free thinking. See, the posture that the crowd held was very limited. They were closed off. They didn't freely think because they only knew Jesus as Joseph's son, and they couldn't get past that. See, what if is the practice of being free thinking, not bound by past experience to form present opinions? See, in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 2, we see the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. This is the Old Testament prophet. For the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives. It will be released and prisoners will be freed. 
He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against the enemy. See, Jesus is answering two questions that the Jewish nation has been looking at for the times to come. Who's the messianic king? And Jesus right here before the crowd, he said, I'm the king. I'm the one you've been waiting on. And then two, when is that time going to be fulfilled? Jesus is saying that time is now in the context of our story. Now this is throwing the people a curveball. They can't imagine this Jesus is, is the messianic king. See, they were, they were so polarized by the past experience that this Jesus is this guy who they grew up, knew him as a carpenter. Like, Jesus, there is no way you're the king, man. You were like cutting cabinets out for me and putting on the hardware backwards for me back in the day. Actually, it's Jesus. He wouldn't have done that. He would have put on the the hardware perfect. But Jesus is this carpenter, this boyhood individual that they all knew and they couldn't get past. They were so entrapped by their past experience that they couldn't ask themselves the what if question. When we see these words, poor, released and free. I want to emphasize released and free right now. Ephesus is the Greek word for the word released. See, Jesus is dating back to this time of year of Jubilee back in Leviticus, the year of Jubilee back in Leviticus chapter 25. See, what this would happen is during the year of Jubilee, approximately 50 years, 49 to be exact, everything would return to a clean slate. Meaning that the Israelite slaves would be, uh, be freed, that those debts would be canceled, that all the original property would go back to their rightful owners. But see, what Jesus is doing right here when he's addressing this, he's making this reference to the Jewish audience, and he's saying, right now, God is using Jesus as the symbolic reenactment of liberating justice. He, he's tugging on that heartstring right there for him. And this brings freedom to the poor, this Hebrew word of anai, much broader term for referring to wealth. See, Jesus is saying, I'm bringing good news to the poor, people of low social status, people with disabilities, women, children, people who've been cast out from social norms. The good news is for you as well, if not greater for you to grab. This is blowing the audience's mind because they're so trapped by what happened in the past. They couldn't form their present opinion. Jesus is the answer. Jesus brought free thinking, but the audience couldn't get there. See, free thinking is this discipline of memory loss. You've heard me right, discipline of memory loss. I, I think it's very important that we practice to work mentally to get past our mistakes. Growing up, I had a gap in my mouth, uh, in my two front teeth. Okay, now that gap, if you took a football, you could kick a field goal through that gap in my two front teeth. Like, that's how big and enormous it was. I was very self-conscious about it, and it didn't close until the dentist came in until after I was in college. But growing up for 20-some years, I never learned how to smile. I struggled to smile. Like, I would do one of those smiles where you keep your lips closed and you go like this. You know, like one of those, like, dude, show your teeth when you smile. 
And I remember growing up and being so self-conscious of that to now my wife, she's like, Blake, smile, be normal, relax. You have a beautiful smile. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm plagued by my memory of not being able to smile, that self-conscious that is hindering me. I think some of us in this room have gone through some moments in our life, relationships in our life, have been plagued in our life, where we can't get past the memories in our life. We're hung up, we're caught up. So it inhibits our thinking, our free thinking, that we can't form present opinions, that we can't develop actions that can lead us forward. Today, do you have something in your past that's hanging you up, that's catching you up, that's stopping you from asking the question, what if Jesus? Jesus, I tried to pray, but when I prayed, you didn't answer that prayer, so my relationship with you is no longer what if Jesus, it's Jesus, I'll do what you maybe want me to do, or maybe I'll stop. And maybe your relationship with Jesus has been closed off because of some of the past situations in your life, the hurt, the pain, the mistakes that you've gone through. Free thinking is a discipline of memory loss. It's saying, I'm going to believe the best about people. I'm going to work hard to get past that. And the audience was missing that. They were so caught up that Jesus was Joseph's son. They couldn't get past that Jesus was the new messianic king. Number two, what if encourage us to have an open mind? Very similar to our first point, but yet different. Luke 4.23 says this. Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Jesus is throwing them back their culturally relevant proverbs in their land. And he's saying, hey, you're probably going to say this. And this is making the audience even more on edge. They're frustrated. Like, Jesus, who do you think you are? You're Joseph's son, the carpenter. And then he goes on, do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, this is Jesus talking, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. See, the crowd had this reference point. Their open-mindedness was being plagued and being kind of confused and clouded with this idea that they wanted to see miracles that Jesus performed at Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is about 20 miles northeast of where Jesus is in Nazareth. Jesus been traveling in Galilee. He, they've heard these miracles are going on. And, and the, the crowd wanted to say, hey, we want to see miracles. They pigeonholed Jesus into thinking that much like a professor grading a paper, they measured Jesus by these acceptable standards. In this case, if Jesus could perform miracles. See, open-mindedness leads us to suspending our judgment on people, on situations, and on God. See, much like being free-thinking, being open-minded says, I'll listen to the new idea, I'll trust God in situations. I'll be a part of new opportunities and a suspend judgment until I've engaged. See, the problem that these crowd is facing right now is that they couldn't get an open mind because they were hung up on what their idea was of the messianic king, the savior. What Jesus says, right, I love what Adam Grant states right here in his book originally. He says, the biggest barrier to originality is not idea generation, it's idea selection. 
See, if you look through Mark, uh, another gospel, the, the disciples are thinking that Jesus would come in on this triumphal horse, have an army, and they would just liberate everybody, and that the Jewish nation would rise through power and force. But Jesus is saying, I'm coming with a different perspective, and we see this in Luke, that I'm going to be a servant king. I'm going to come and teach you, and I'm going to lead with love. I'm going to lead with a new way of thinking. See, they selected Jesus to be in this messianic, noble king warrior, not a messianic king servant leader. And Jesus just throws back, physician, heal thyself. No prophet is accepted in their hometown. He can see the look on their faces as he's in front of the class and their faces start to turn. Um, idea selection, when we talk about it, the audience is there and, and they're battling with who Jesus is. This last Easter, and I don't know if they're in service or if they'll be in next service, uh, I have this thing I like to do. I like to take my dog on walks because I'm learning that people like to pet my dog because he's a little fluffy guy. And uh, when we walk the dog, it opens up conversations with people. And I invited people to Easter. Well, these certain kind of people that I wanted to invite, I couldn't tell if any of them came. I was thinking, I, I want someone that looked like me, talk like me, and maybe would engage, and maybe we had great conversation before they come. But last Easter, what was awesome and what was cool is people that I invited, I don't think they came. But there was one guy where I had a brief conversation with, sitting in the park watching my, my kid play when I wasn't in the mood, goes, walks by me and goes, hey man, I came to your church today. Hope you're doing well, and just walked out the door. See, my limited thinking, this guy that I, I didn't exhaust energy into, that I didn't think would come, came. See, what if opens our mind for God to do incredible things in our life when we're not pigeonholed when it comes to saying, hey God, I select you to do this, but I need to ask myself, what if I'm open-minded? What are you going to do? You lead the way. The audience is so enamored that they get caught up with what they expect versus what being open to what God is working. Number three for us, what if pushes us to go beyond what we know? Then Jesus reminds the crowd of what the prophet Elijah and Elisha did. Luke 4, 25, certainly there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years, a severe famine. We see this in uh, 1 Kings 17. When the heavens were closed for three and a half years, devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any one of them. He was instead sent to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And many of Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha, but he only healed Naaman, a Syrian, outsiders. See, what if pushes us beyond what we know? Elijah went to a foreign land. Elisha uh, healed a man who didn't, they, that they didn't expect. And right now, the audience who Jesus is talking to is fuming, saying, Jesus, you're pushing us in a way we don't want to go. See, Jesus' first ministry, where he starts is in Galilee. Where he ends is in Galilee. The first comments that he's commissioning people, he's saying, you need to be pressed into what you don't know. 
And then Jesus' final command found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, just came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. See, Going beyond what we know requires us to dream. So when you look at through the history of Scripture, God always moves his people to go beyond. You look at Noah and the ark. Noah's building this phenomenal boat in the middle of nowhere, and people are questioning him. Go beyond what you know. Peter uh, Peter has a moment where he gets out of the boat, and he's walking on water. Jesus is calling him, go to what you don't know. Go beyond Time and time again, Jesus instructs his people, his followers, to go beyond what they know. If you stick to what you know, who you know, you'll never grow. It's simple as that. What if I invite my coworker to church? What if I invite my friend to come alongside me and have a discussion about who Jesus is? What if... I'm forced to be in a conversation with people that I don't feel comfortable with. Jesus always pushes us in a direction of beyond. Number four for us today is this, what if is a discipline of slow thinking? See, at this point, the crowd is furious. He's insulted them, they're, they're through. Safe to put, Jesus is canceled. They're saying, Jesus, we're, we're done with you. We're tired of you. We're frustrated with you. But what if is a discipline of slow thinking? When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him, and they forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. See, slow thinking is this guard against impulse reaction. See, Jesus is being forced to the crowd, and and they're saying, Jesus, we're going to kill you now because you've insulted us, you've shifted our belief, and you wanted to to get a a different response out of us. And Jesus is saying all along, like, I I know how you're going to receive me. You're not going to accept me. This is making mad because Jesus is right all along. They're frustrated. They're angry. See, Jesus' proper response, if I was Jesus and I, I just shared good news and, and these people are like, and Jesus is like, hey, I, I'm the Messiah, I'm the King, I'm there for you. You don't want to hear me. If someone's trying to come at me with hate and heat and mob me, I, I'm probably sure I would try to fight back. Jesus just bows his head and walks through the crowd. They miss it. Some of us in this place, I want to encourage you with what if thinking. What if thinking this week means that, hey, I'm going to be open to Jesus coming alongside me and maybe have some hurting relationships. What if Jesus is in that relationship? What if Jesus is in my marriage? Jesus, I'm not being treated the way I wanted to be treated, how would Jesus respond? 
Jesus would process slow thinking. Jesus would say, I'm not, I'm not going to react by impulse. I'm going to bow my head and I'm going to love these people. I'm going to share good news, but then I'm going to continue to walk and move forward. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you face today, we know it's a process. It's been said that most of the time we think far too quickly. We confuse quick understanding with quick thinking and slowness with being dull-witted. See, Jesus isn't teaching us that. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to let you process. I'm going to place it here. And you know, truth be told, I, I don't know if anyone in that crowd maybe started a relationship and said, what if Jesus is right all along? I don't know. I would like to think maybe one out of thousands were there and said, hey, we want to start a relationship. We want to follow him. People have been following him. But what if is this posture of, I'm going to process. I'm going to take this effort to mentally say, I'm going to step back. I'm going to remove myself from the situation. I'm going to say, what if Jesus come alongside? Help me to decide. Help me to discern what I need to do to move forward. Peter, one of the apostles that we've mentioned before, he says this, therefore preparing your minds for action. See, Jesus knew all along that he wasn't going to be accepted by his hometown. See, now if someone goes to a professional team that's like from Southwest Florida or from, a, from one of your hometowns, everybody's like, yeah, we know him. Jesus had a different response when he came home. And he knew what was going to happen. He knew they weren't going to accept him. So he says, he, he shares through Peter, he says, therefore preparing your minds for action. Slow thinking is this requirement that fosters a calm reaction, being prepared no matter what we face. First Peter continues and it says, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on grace that will be brought to you through the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, no matter what's stacked up against you, my prayer, our hope for you right now is that you take this time to prepare your minds. No matter what's thrown your way, you can process, that you can be a slow thinker, that you can know how you're going to react when things get thrown your way, shot your direction, if it's hurt, if it's insult, if it's pain, that you know how you're going to, I'm going to walk through the crowd. I shared the good news. Even though I'm hurting right now, I'm going to keep my chin up and I'd keep moving forward. That's what Jesus did. So today, I wanna to go back to our big idea, asking ourselves what if challenges to go beyond what we know and experience and rely on Jesus for greater possibilities. So when it comes to what if, this week my encouragement, my hope is that when it comes to what if you keep the posture of, what if I start a relationship with Jesus now? How can your thinking change? Romans 10.9 says this, because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's all it takes is a confession of, God, you raised your son Jesus from the grave. And for that, I accept him. For that, I know you defeated death, disease, doubt, for that, I want to start a relationship with you. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So throughout this next week, our hope for you is that you start with this posture of what if Jesus is in every fabric of your life. 
We have a practical way to do that. Here when we pray in just a moment, we'll have a communication card at faithnfm.com or maybe grab it when you walk in. Fill it out, let us know if you want to start that relationship by simply marking the box, I've accepted to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, hey, Pastor Blake, I have a relationship with Jesus, but maybe you've limited your possibilities because you got focused on the what, the future, the, or the what and the now and the answers and the results and the solutions that you could ask yourself, what if? What if Jesus is in every relationship? What if Jesus is in my generosity? What if Jesus is in my forward thinking? What if Jesus? If you'll pray with me this morning. Lord, right now we give you this time. I pray for those individuals in this place that have come to listen to your word and online and may we be challenged with the idea of asking, what if Jesus? What if Jesus is in every fabric of our life, in every piece of our life? How can that change our outlook? How are we pushed beyond what we know? How does our mind become open and and we forget about past experiences, Lord? What if Jesus, possibilities are limitless? Lord, right now we pray and we lift those up who have decided to start following you, who have decided to, hey, I want to check the box that I've accepted in Jesus because I confess with my mouth that he is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that I'm a sinner and I'm lost, but now I'm found. And God, maybe there's some of us in this room that we have a relationship with you, but we've quit asking the question just for focusing on the results. I pray right now a special blessing and anointing on each and every person here that we are inspired to ask the question, what if? What if Jesus, can it push us into another direction, push us into another way of thinking? And in your great holy name, we all say, amen. Again, thank you for being here. If you've uh, started a relationship with Jesus, I just want to encourage you, fill a communication card uh, that's either online or out in our corner. Stop by. And if you're a new guest with us, we're going to give you a special shout out as well. We have something for you. Or if you fill out the communication card, we'll send something to you. And again, thank you for being here. We also believe here at Faith that we believe in generational impact. And the way we do that is through generational giving and through our giving of tithes and offerings. So we have numerous ways that you can give. You can give online, via text. You can also give cash or check in the buckets if you're here at our physical location right out in the lobby. Well, again, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us online. And uh, we will see you throughout the week and make sure you're tuning in. Have a fabulous week. Before you go, just Thank a reminder. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.